us in worship. This morning, we're going to be talking about kingdom leadership. Leadership. And my job right now is just kind of set the stage, get your mind going, and your mind spinning on this topic. And then Dennis and I are going to kind of walk through our text for this week. But we're looking at leadership. You know, leadership is a, is a thing that a lot of people are into right now. If you do a search on Amazon for leadership books, do you know how many that you will find in that search? One million, probably. Everybody's interested in leadership. Servant leadership, corporate leadership, nonprofit leadership. But something I've found, uh, that Jess and I have found here at MCC, our church family is a family of kingdom leaders. In fact, when we first met the elders of this church, and I saw... <laughs> The PNG influence, right? I saw Steve Sessler and the nonprofit influence. I saw Lou Arnold and the Cincinnati Police Department influence. I saw Burr Robinson and citywide influence. I thought to myself, what is this that we are walking into? But then I heard these men pray. And I realized, oh, this is different. This is kingdom leadership. This is kingdom leadership. So what we're talking about this morning, and we're just going to have a discussion, we're going to walk through uh, some scenes in the life of David and pick up on kingdom leadership. This is 1 Samuel 21, 22, chapter 30, and then we're going to be looking at Psalm 52 as well. Kingdom leadership. What do we learn about leadership, and specifically leadership in the kingdom? From David, And I just want to make one statement, just a qualification. To say kingdom leadership is to say this, that regardless of whether we're leading in the marketplace, whether we have our own business, whether we are leading in our home, we got stay-at-home dads, stay-at-home moms, we have marketplace dads and moms that are also leading in the home. Wherever we're leading, to say that we are kingdom leaders means this, our leadership is oriented towards the king. That is to say, whoever I'm leading, I am pointing them to the king. And whatever business, if I have a small business, I'm looking, how can my business be a part of the kingdom of God? How can those that are around me experience more of God in their life? We see this in David, that he understands what kingdom leadership is about. It's about finding your refuge in God, and then becoming a refuge for others to come and be a part of the kingdom of God. So kingdom leadership, big idea. David grows in leadership as he understands that God is his refuge and strength. Our discussion is going to be in four parts. Number one, learning leadership through failure. That's 1 Samuel 21 through to chapter 22, verse 5. Second part, learning to be a safe refuge for others the rest of chapter 22 and also Psalm 52. Third part, principles of kingdom leadership. We're just going to pull out principles right out of chapter 30. And then we're going to finish with some group sharing. So we're looking to share our I will statements. So in between each of those discussions, uh, we're just going to have a time of sharing, question and answer between uh, Dennis and myself and you all. If you're watching online, just go ahead and start asking questions in the chat if you're curious about kingdom leadership. Um, Scott Hobart, can you grab a mic and be a mic runner for us? Oh, John Kofsky's on it? Perfect. Okay, great. Okay, let me pray, and then let's go after the text. Father, we thank you that we can call you Abba by faith in Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are not an abstract, distant God, but you desire intimacy with us and friendship. You want to make your home with us. We thank you for this time. I thank you for your words to us. I thank you for David. Thank you for this flawed, 
and strong man. And I ask that you'll give wisdom. I ask that you'll give wisdom and revelation to us as we seek to follow you more closely, Jesus. And that you would continue to develop a strong kingdom leadership base here at MCC. That we would be men and women who lead, who seek first the kingdom in all that we do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Part one, 1 Samuel 21, going through 1 Samuel 22, verse 5. Learning leadership through failure. Learning leadership through failure. So the big idea, and Dennis can come on up. Big idea is this. Kingdom growth in leadership is never a straight line. The Lord is faithful and patient with his fearful leaders. And I've listed some characters up there. Elijah. Was Elijah just constantly always trusting God all the time, no problems, just continually just full on for Jesus or for God? Was he? No, Elijah was like this. He takes out the prophets of Baal. What's the next thing that he does? He runs off and he's afraid. Woe is me, I'm the only one who loves you. What? Gideon, afraid. God says to him, you're a valiant warrior. I'm not a valiant warrior. Big idea for us. As you're growing in kingdom leadership, understand it is not like this. We see this in David. It's not a straight line of leadership growth. Actually, it goes like this, and then it's like, oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> oh, I failed right there. Oh, and I'm, okay, I'm doing good, and I, oh, gosh. There are ups and downs. There are, there are zigzags in our growth in leadership, and we see it in David. He's failing as a leader because he's afraid, but God is still faithful. So here, here are just some things in the text. He's alone, and he goes to the prophets, uh, or to the priest of Nob, and he lies to the priest, right? And I can't go through all this text. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you have already read this, so we're just going to move quick. He's alone. He's lying to the priest at Nob. He's afraid. Second, he has no weapon, and then he says, hey, you got, you got any swords here? And the priest of Nob goes, well, we've got Goliath's sword. You know Goliath, the one that you killed? And he's like, yes, I need that sword. There's no sword like it, he says. But don't you remember just a few weeks ago? What did David do with Goliath? Do you remember what David said to Goliath? He says, why are you coming at me with javelins and swords and spears? I'm coming in the name of the Lord. Isn't that what he said? And now he's like, give me that sword. I need it. Are you all seeing this? That doesn't sound like a kingdom leader to me. right? There's ups and downs. So he's trusting the, in the enemy's weapon. He runs away from God and he runs to the enemy's land. He goes into exile. He heads west towards the Mediterranean to Philistia. While he's there, verse 11, God attempts to remind David who he is. He speaks prophetically through the Philistine enemies. God is speaking prophetically through the enemies and David still can't hear it. They said, isn't this King David, king of the land? He can't hear it. Fear leads David to reject his identity, and then he pretends to be a fool. He lets his drool run down his beard. He literally acts like an idiot and a fool because he's so afraid. Next, God brings to him 400 rough, rough riders, rough men, they were bitter, they were poor, they were homeless, they were desperate, and they come to David for refuge. Even though David is afraid, God is still bringing people to him to lead. Do you all see that? He's not functioning in faith, he's functioning in fear, and God is still bringing people to him. David then goes to another enemy stronghold, so he heads back east, he goes around the Dead Sea and goes to Moab, which, by the way, his great-grandma was from there, right, Ruth? Heads to Moab and is hiding out in a stronghold, afraid. So God sends a prophet to him and says, listen, this is your identity. Leave the stronghold of your enemy and go to Judah. Go to be with God. Go to where God is. So David obeys, goes back to Judah, he finds refuge in the Lord, and he begins to learn this lesson about what it means to be a refuge. Do you see this? Up and down. 
up and down. Let me, let me just say, when you fail as a leader, I'm looking at you all, when you fail as a leader and you're not a safe place for the people around you, the Father is still working. And when the words that come out of your mouth injure the people that are around you, the Father is still working. The question is, will you be a man or a woman after God's own heart who when you fail, you turn back to the Father? Not about excellence in leadership. It's about who do I go to when I mess up? My, uh, my friend tweeted this morning, we are saved from God, not ourselves. We are saved by God, not ourselves. And we are saved for God, hmm. not ourselves. Hmm. So it's always this picture of no matter what happens, return. So David is being trained here. And, and I just want to grab two little bits of this section. He's got these 400 men now hmm. that are coming to him, basically riffraff. But God is training him, and if he can be faithful with a little bit, then later on, he's going to make him responsible for more. He'll give him more. If we're faithful yeah. with the little that we have right now, yeah. God will be faithful to give us more later. Yeah. And the, the other thing I want to pick up on is uh, the scene where the priest gives him the consecrated bread. He's not, mm. They're not supposed to eat that bread. That's only for the priests. But Jesus would actually talk about this story. Mm. And he would say, hey, you remember when David got the bread? Because his disciples were eating some grain in the field. And, and Jesus talks about this story. And he talks about it in the sense of grace. Because we're going to have communion after mm. the service out on the patio. And we don't deserve it. Yeah. We do not deserve the body and blood of Jesus. That's right. That's right. David did not have a right to that holy bread. And Jesus' disciples didn't have a right. But it was God's grace. So constantly we have to go back when we're up and down in leadership. We've got to go back to God's grace. And we're going to go back to the communion table today. Yeah. And we're going to be receiving God's grace. Yeah, that's good. All right. Questions, comments, thoughts. If you're online, you want to post something, We've got people that are going to forward that to us. Questions, comments, John's got a mic. Um, this zigzag thing, this up and down learning leadership, even in the midst of failure, what stuck out to you as you read this text this week? Just go ahead and throw your hand up, and then John will come bring the mic to you. He'll just hold it for you to speak. Or maybe you want to share a failure. <laughs> We're all family here. We were renovating this. Uh, we were renovating this building about 12 years ago, and the bill was going to be five million. And the budget of the church in those days was about 500,000. The rule of thumb on buildings is maybe you're going to get two or three times your annual budget. Mm -hmm. But I thought, no way. And I, I, actually, I actually had a, a season. It's like, it's never going to happen. And uh, God called me up short. Uh, we, we prayed. Um, we waited. On the day of the commitment to the campaign, we had, we had secular foundations gave us $3 million dollars. And the church gave us $2 million, four wow. times the annual budget, which was unheard of kind of ratio. Uh, and it just, it gave me such a lift and such a repentance because I, I, did, not, I did not believe he could pull it off. Yeah. And uh, yeah. He, he showed me, you know, from, from that day forward, when it comes time to what God wants to do through the church with finances, I... I'm a believer. Yeah. Whatever we need, he provides. So. Yeah. Any other comments, questions, thoughts about that section? Keep rolling. Okay. Fair enough. 
One thing I, I just wanted to say is that um, what I've learned, and I've learned this the hard way, um, when the Father wants to create leaders in us, you will be crushed. You will be crushed. A lot of times people will think, oh, God's going to work, work through me. He's going to use me at work. He's going to use me in my family. Everything's going to be great. Um, yes, it will be great because you're following God, but you will be crushed in the midst of it. And you know why? See, a lot of times us as leaders, we have competency, we have capacity, but we also have arrogance. <laughs> I found in my own life, I needed to be crushed before I could really be used by God because God opposes the proud. So just as an encouragement to you, if you're in a season where you just feel like you're being crushed, that's leadership training. Are y'all hearing me this morning? That when, when grapes are turned into wine, there is a crushing process at play. So when we say, I want to be a leader, I want to be encouragement to others, pride will get crushed out of you, not by circumstances and people around you, by Abba himself, he will crush it out of you the discipline of the father because he loves us he loves his kids all right second part learning to be a safe refuge for others this is first samuel 22 verses 6 to 23 then we're gonna look at psalm 52 as well so this is a rough passage i'm not gonna lie (laughs) david leaves nob he's got goliath's sword saul who's chasing him finds out david just went to nob Saul goes to Nob, and he's so paranoid, right? He's so paranoid that he's asking the priest, like, what'd you say to him? What'd you do to him? Did you give him the sword of Goliath? Where'd he go? What's happening? He's so paranoid. He's so filled with fear that he actually turns and says to all of his guys, this is verse 8, he says, all of you have conspired against me. Have you ever been in a paranoid moment like that? (laughs) Everyone's against me. And they're like, dude, we're with you. We're Benjaminites, like we're literally your family. We're with you. It's all good. No, you've all conspired against me. I'm, I'm pressing that because we're going to, that ties to what happens with David later in chapter 30. Anyway, he sees everyone he thinks has conspired against him. He's so paranoid, and he slaughters, he massacres all the priests, all the wives, all the kids, all the animals. The chickens didn't make it. If there were pigs there, they wouldn't make it, but there weren't any, obviously. He slaughters everybody, and he does it through an Edomite named Doeg. So we see these two characters, one paranoid, afraid, and paranoid, slaughters everyone. He's not a safe place for anyone that's around him. David, secure in who he is, learns to find his refuge in Yahweh. He becomes a refuge. He becomes a refuge for others, Saul, the paranoid one, slaughters those around him. I'm going to throw this to Dennis for some. Yeah, this is a really rough scene, and it it teaches us so much about leadership and about what's going on in David's world. There's a man who works for Saul who's there, Doeg the Edomite. And Mm. this is a picture. Doeg is a picture of King Herod, the Mm. Edomite. Because uh, in Psalm 52... David, by the way, he writes these songs in in the midst of these heartbreaking moments. And uh, he writes Psalm 52 uh, when Doeg spills the beans on him for having been there. And uh, in verse 7 it says, Here now is the man who did not make God his stronghold, but trusted in his great wealth and grew strong by destroying others. Hmm. This is... This is... Doeg. This is Doeg's big opportunity. He's the chief shepherd for Saul. It's a big opportunity for him to step up. Saul says to his guys, kill all the priests. None of his men would raise a hand against the priests. They had respect for the priesthood. But Doeg, the Edomite, uh, who, as I said, is a picture of Herod. Remember Herod killing all the young boys born around the same time as Jesus, Doeg goes and kills all the priests. And David, though, says, but I am like an olive tree, verse 8, flourishing in the house of God. I trust in God's unfailing love, his hesed, 
mm. his hesed forever and ever. So we see Doeg, a type of Herod, and the Edomites would eventually be wiped out. Yeah. They would eventually be wiped out according to the word of God. And David, who's a type of Christ, becomes the one who's flourishing in the house of the Lord. Why? Because he's become a refuge. Hmm. The one member of the priest's family who was not killed escapes yeah. and comes to David. And David says, you stay with me. The one who wants your life is the same who, one who wants my life. I will protect you. Yeah. So David, in the middle of this horrific thing, becomes the refuge for this lone member of the priest family who is not killed. Um, now, this brings up, in, in my mind, this brings up application, and it is respect for authority. Mm -hmm. Respect for the authority that God has <clears throat> ordained. One of the things that is clear in our public discourse and in our government situation right now is a lack of respect for the others that are in the roles that they're in. Mm. And we've, we've seen this over and over again in the course of discourse in, in our government. We've seen it. Uh, we've seen it in Louisville. There's, there's big unrest in Louisville, but those police officers were shot at. You cannot shoot at police officers. And then in the aftermath, two more police officers were mm. shot at. Mm. And this is, this is what's going on. There's a lack of respect for authority. And here Saul says, kill them all. He has no business. That is not his call. Hmm. And so I, I just want us to say, like, whatever happens in our country, if we can learn to respect authority. Hmm. And frankly, our president has been waffling on whether he will accept the results of the election. Hmm. And he's being rebuked by the members of his own party for that. Hmm. That is a lack of respect. And that's only going to breed more lack of respect. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Comments, questions, thoughts on this section? This very bloody chapter. Scott. I think we're working on it. As it turned out, this was a friend that we didn't want in our house. Hmm. And as the conversation went on, we found out that it wasn't like for a couple days, it was for a month. And at a time when the last thing we needed was a guest in our house for a month that we perceived to not like. And it was kind of forced on us. And Heather and I said, what are we going to do? Hmm. And we kind of said, there's nothing we can do. The ticket has been bought. This person came from halfway around the world and he showed up at our house. Hmm. And we had a choice to make whether or not to make our home a refuge of peace yeah. or not. And we chose to follow Christ and we made it a refuge of peace and before he left in a month um, we were buying him Bibles in his native language we were praying over him he was praying he wanted to hear hymns he actually came here a couple times hmm. and worshipped in English and he didn't speak English but the point I'm trying to make is is that God puts us as leaders sometimes we get put into situations where we have to make a choice whether we're yeah. going to follow Christ when yeah. it doesn't look like that's what we want to do and then see what Christ does with that obedience in a leadership standpoint. So 
Yeah. That was an example in our home about creating a refuge of peace right. and love for somebody that we didn't at first, and we love this person to pieces now. That's Just good. absolutely love him to pieces. That's good. That's good, Scott. Excellent. Thanks, Scott. Dennis Spurgeon online was saying that our greatest growth often comes during our biggest failures. Yeah. And David, David is certainly uh, a picture of this, and we're going to see even from the chapters that Jamie's already covered and where we're heading next, um, how true that is. Um, we often can see things when we fail that we can't see when everything's going well. We have another comment over here. No, we, we wait for the mic. John's coming. Um, there was a period of time uh, I was going through, uh, when I was uh, separated, I went through a real rough patch. And uh, it was kind of a cross between the two, and I think it's appropriate. I, I was, a after I got past all the rationalization and making up excuses and started accepting responsibility, and you know, that's, that's the interesting part. Do you just say, you know, it's like a child, yes, I did something wrong versus fibbing and then getting spanked twice for it. So going through the rough part of it, my son said to me, and I had to potentially go back in and, and um, uh, I was, uh, how do I say it? I was... Um, potentially open to um, have to be spanked again. And uh, my son said, but dad, you've done everything right. You'll be fine. Life is good. And I said, well, the Lord's going to, the Lord's going to say what I need to do here. You know, we've been finishing up a book, a not so good book, and we're on the last couple of chapters. Meanwhile, we've been writing new chapters in a great new book. But God's going to decide whether I need to learn a little bit more. So I went in to where I needed to go in, and um, it, God decided I needed a little bit more. And I looked up and go, okay, thanks. So it, the, the point I'm trying to make is you said there's ups and downs, but it's not just one or the other. Sometimes you have to continually try to address the not so good while you're trying to move forward and take responsibility for your daily lives, your family, whatever you need to yeah. do. So you've got to live this dual life. And it's, it's distracting, but you've got to be able to, if, if you let the Lord direct you and you take responsibility, yeah. it makes that dual-sided thing a lot easier to deal with. Yeah. Or it did for me. That's good. Anybody else? I just want to draw your attention to the last verse of this section. Verse 23. So Abiathar, one of the priests, he's the only one who gets out alive. He goes to David, and David says to him, by the way, this is the guy who just ran to an enemy stronghold, right, in Philistia. Then he ran to Moab, went to a stronghold, finding refuge in the enemy camp. And then he comes back to Judah, and he says to this young priest, he says, stay with me, do not be afraid, for he, he who seeks my life seeks your life. With me you shall be in safe keeping. Do you see the reversal here? He's, he's discovered what it is to find his refuge in Yahweh, and now he can bring others into that refuge. This is a really important thing to be able to see. He's discovered what does it look like for me to trust the Father and then bring those around me into this same trust. When we talk about refuge as leaders, what we're talking about, and, and, and the marketplace um, leaders are figuring this out, that are even those that are outside the church, they're figuring it out. Servant leadership is a big deal. I'm thinking of Simon Sinek, who wrote Leaders Eat Last. Do you remember that book? 
There is, a, there is an emphasis on leaders serve those who are with them. Leaders are interested in the well-being of those that are around them. That is a biblical principle. That Canadian didn't figure it out first. It was the biblical thing, right? <laughs> He's tapping into biblical truth. I love Canadians, by the way. But it's important that we think through this. What did Jesus say? Don't be anxious about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't be anxious about the next quarter. Don't be anxious about staff meeting. Don't be anxious about the development, the individual development plan for those in your care. Don't be anxious about these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? All of these things will be taken care of. What does it look like wherever you lead? What does it look like for you to seek first the kingdom and then teach everyone around you to seek the kingdom as well? Kingdom leadership, being a refuge, a refuge for others. Okay, part three. Part three. First Samuel 30. So there's been a little bit of a fast forward in the story. I'll just quickly... Fast forward uh, us to this place. This is principles of king, kingdom leadership. I'm just going to pull out. Uh, we've got seven principles that I'm just going to pull out from the text. But here's what's happened so far. So we were in chapter 21 and 22. Uh, David rescues the people of Keilah from the Philistines, chapter 23. Chapter 24, David spares Saul's life. That's what we looked at yes, uh, last week. Remember this? David spares Saul's life in the cave. That's chapter 24. Chapter 25, Samuel dies, the prophet, and then you have the instance with Nabal and Abigail and David. We looked at that last week. Chapter 26, David spares Saul's life again in the camp. We looked at that. Then 27, David flees again, and where does he go in chapter 27? He goes to Philistia, back into exile, back because he's scared. <laughs> and he seeks asylum with the enemy again. Do you see this? He goes back and flees again, chapter 27. Chapter 28, God stops talking to Saul altogether. He just stops talking to Saul. So Saul seeks out a necromancer. Y'all should read this this week, man. This is some wild stuff. Saul seeks out a necromancer and pulls up a spirit, the spirit of Samuel. And Samuel's talking to Saul. <laughs> That's chapter 28. Chapter 29, David gets kicked out of the Philistine army. And he heads back to his home base, his home base of Ziklag. And when they get to Ziklag, this is chapter 30, what has happened at home base? It's been burned down. His wife's been taken. All the wives have been taken. All the kids have been taken. All the Rough Riders families have been taken. The city has been leveled by the Amalekites. So first kingdom principle for kingdom leaders. A kingdom leader finds their refuge in God, not circumstances or others. Look at verse 6. I'm telling you, this, you, we all need this. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So Saul thinks everyone's conspiring against him, and they're not. David is being actively conspired against, and what does he do? I'm going to find my strength in the Lord. I'm going to look to the Lord as my hiding place. I'm going to find my peace in the presence of God. I'm not going to trust my peace in the circumstances or in the people around me. Are you all hearing this? You need this. Kingdom leader. Find your strength in the Lord, not in the quarterly earnings, not in the behavior of kiddos, not in the grades that they got, not in relational connection or disconnection from spouse. Those things are not what brings peace. It is, in fact, relationship with the Father. So finding your strength in the Lord. Okay, second kingdom principle is found in verse 7 and 8. Kingdom leaders inquire regularly of the Lord for guidance, especially during a crisis. David immediately looks at Abiathar, bring me the ephod, which is David's way of saying, come here, let's go, we need the bat phone, I need to call God, I need to find out what I'm supposed to do. Which is interesting, 
Wouldn't you think that the automatic plan is go get, go get my girl and my kids? Right? I mean, isn't that the automatic response? Why do I need to even talk to God? I'm going to go get my girl and my kids. He says, Abiathar, bring me the ephod. Let's find out what God says about this. Are you all hearing me? Because that's good right there. Inquire of the Lord. What do you want me to do? My gut is I'm going to go get them. But what do you want me to do? Third, know your team. We need some emotional intelligence as kingdom leaders. A third of his army is too exhausted, so he leaves them behind. you got to know your team. you got to know the people that are around you. Are, you. are you aware enough of where the people in your sphere are that you can say, listen, I need you to sit this one out. You can sit this one out. It's okay. To know your team. Fourthly, trust in divine providence. So they're heading out, and lo and behold, an Egyptian servant just shows up. Hey, guys, what's up? And it just happens to be a guy from the Amalekites' camp who they left. And it just happens to be the one guy that knows where the Amalekites are. And he just happens to be the guy that goes, you know what, I'll take you to him if you want. Do you know that in your business, God will move divinely and supernaturally if you will trust him? Do you know that in your family leadership, you can trust him? And I'm preaching to myself right now. Do I trust that the Father is working through Bailey and Caden, or do I feel like I need to do everything? Do I trust divine providence? Fifthly, acknowledge that all success is from the Lord. They get to the Amalekite camp, and what's crazy to me, verse 17, David struck them down from twilight, so basically sunset, until the evening of the next day, so David and his, his dudes, his 400 dudes, because he lost 200, right? His 400 guys take out the Amalekite camp, and he, he's, he's taking them out from sunset one day to evening the next day, and still 400 of those dudes escape. Can you all do the math on that? Are you all hearing what I'm saying? The enemy still had 400 dudes that escaped, and David's 400 were taking out that camp from twilight one day to the setting of the next day. That is supernatural power of God. And David goes, this is not us. That was God who gave us that. He says in verse 23, that was the Lord who did that. Sixth, we got two more. I'm going to give this one to Dennis. Guard unity of your team. Yeah. So they get back. They have all the wives. Everybody's been recovered all the animals, all the plunder. And some of the guys say, hey, the 400 that went with you, David, we get to keep it all. The 200 who are too tired, yeah. they don't get anything. Yeah. And so here, David establishes a principle that will actually be held in his kingdom in entirety. One of the reasons his kingdom will be just is that he establishes the principle all for one and one for all. Yeah. And interestingly, it's a foreshadowing of the principle of the kingdom of God and the, the body of Christ, which is when one mourns, we all mourn. Yeah. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. We all have gifts that we need to share with each other. We all need each other. We were all bought for a price. We're not our own. We actually belong to one another. So David here is actually imprinting on this thing a principle that will become a principle in the church. Hmm. This idea that we're all together in this. So those that were too tired will share. Those that were too tired will get their families back. Those that were too tired will get their stuff back. Yeah. And so David uh, here, is, it's a picture of the value of the body of Christ. Yeah. Robert Bansky earlier said David took responsibility for the death of the priests, which is obviously humility. Hmm. In this situation, he's about to get stoned, and he takes responsibility. He strengthens himself in the Lord. All these principles come out of that strength yeah. that you have 
in the Lord. And he now takes care of the whole, the whole team. So now if you read 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14, you will see the team, the body of Christ working as a team. Everybody gets to play. Yeah. Everybody gets to play. And those that are widows and children and orphans, we're going to take care of them. We're going to take care of our weak and our wounded. Yeah. Uh, and that's the principle that we see taking place here, all for one, one for all. Yeah, and then the last principle um, is leadership is discipleship and development. And we see this in the last, last verse here, verse 31. So they list all these places, and it says, where David and his men had roamed. That's how the chapter ends. All these places where David and his men had roamed. So what, I, what I'm seeing here is, these are some rough riders. We've already mentioned this. These are some rough guys. They're called bitter, desperate earlier. And what I find interesting is, after they've spent time with David and grown with David, no one looks at these mighty men as bitter and as these rough characters. They see them as noble warriors. In fact, the rest of 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, even into the kings, people look at these mighty men as noble warriors. I mean, it's, it's like Legolas and Gimli and Aragorn, right? Sorry, I'm throwing my uh, Lord of the Rings out here. Especially in Two Towers, the three guys are chasing after the two hobbits that have been taken, and there's some nobility at play. Do you all see this? These mercenaries, they show up as mercenaries, bitter, poor, homeless. By the time they and David are growing together, they are being developed into noble warriors where, where young men and women are thinking, I want to be like that. There's development at play. These mighty men are changed through the leadership of David in their life. Listen, Jesus says the exact same thing to us. He says, go and make disciples, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Go and make disciples. Go replicate yourself. Go develop those that are around you. And listen, we develop who we are into others. We replicate who we are into others. We find out, which is hilarious to me, 2 Samuel 21, we see this scene with these mighty men. And it's so, it's so graphic. I mean, you could just see the, the warfare going on. And in, this, in these verses, four of David's mighty men take out four more giants. That's the story of 2 Samuel 15 to 22. There are four more giants. Okay, who has their leader already killed? Who did David kill? A giant, Goliath. Right. And now he's developing f four of his own mighty men. Guess who those four mighty men, guess who they kill? Giants. He's replicating them himself. They became giant slayers because Goliath was a giant slayer. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We replicate we develop ourselves into other people. That's why it's so important. Am I walking with the Lord? Because I'm going to be replicating myself in the people that I'm developing. So am I going to take responsibility for who I am becoming for the sake of those around me? We, we develop and we replicate who we are. And there's spheres of influence and there's, there's levels of leadership in these mighty men. There's the three, right? There's the three mighty men. This is 2 Samuel 23. Then there's the 30 mighty men. Then there's the rest of the guys. It looks like Jesus, who had three, then he had 12, then he had 70, then he had 120, then he had the crowds, right? There are spheres of influence. Do you know who your three are? If you're a Paul, who are your three Timothys? Who are your 12? Who are your 70? Jesus didn't say, hey, if you get around to it, boys and girls, go ahead and make disciples. I mean, when you get around to it. Hey, if it works in your schedule, make some disciples. Hey, you know, as long as your church is a disciple-making church, go ahead. But if not, it's okay. It's okay. Are you all hearing me this morning? What if, oh, boy. Abba said go. Okay. 
What if the only metric that I knew I was a believer in Jesus is if I actually made disciples? How can we say we follow Jesus and not do what he said? <laughs> Dennis is about to say something. Go ahead. I dropped. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was just going to say, like, my I will for this week mm. just came through loud and clear, and it's going to be this thing that Jamie just talked about, but I, I meet with men every week, and every man I meet with this week, I'm going to talk about uh, becoming giant killers. One of our, one of our, the older guys in our congregation, well, he's not super old, but he's older than me, so he's old. <laughs> uh, Ken Shellhouse, their family saying is, love God, hate sin, kill giants. I like it. Love God, hate sin, kill giants. So I'm going to talk to some guys this week about killing giants. Yeah, it's good. Okay, we just have about a minute or two here. Any I will statements any, or anything else that you are, are sensing here? Any I will statements? What's the Lord saying to you? What are you hearing the Father say? Scott's got his hand up. Today we formally kick off uh, Sunday school for the junior high and the high schoolers. Those are my Timothys. Mm. Mm. We're gonna have giant killers coming out of Sunday school this year. I love it. Okay, yeah. some of you guys are in here. That's the, that's the plan, and today, it starts today. All right? I love it, I love it. It's good. What else? Any other I wills? I got one over here. I got Tina, Tina Fike right here. My I will, I feel, is I will ask God first. Ask God first. Yep. Love it. Yep. Love it. Ask God first. I love it. Terry? Well, my I will is, I'm in the middle of my I will, actually, uh, because I, a number of women that I know very well, like 40 of them that I have been in touch with over the years, in a group, um, we all received a very toxic email from one of the women uh, of a political nature, of course, and um, I won't go through it, but it sparked a real revival in mm. my group of friends who are, it was not a Christian group of people, it's people from all over the city, but it really sparked a lot of discussion. Yeah. And um, I'm going to follow through with that, but um, I'm letting other people take the lead right now because I think it's more important for them to hear from each other than to hear from me because yeah. there are a lot of issues. So anyway, that's my I will. Good. It's a lot of people. Bless you. All right. Anybody else? Got Mark over here. Realize the multiplier that happens. You yeah. know, we've got about 55 people in the room here, and if everybody's got four or five people... Yep. That's, that's a lot of people. Uh, I'm going to steal from something Dave Ping said recently that resonated with me. I will be willing to fail for God mm. and let him define what success means. Yeah, that's good. Being willing yeah. to fail for God and define what success Amen. is. That's good. Amen. Good. Okay. I just want to leave you with this encouragement, and then I'm going to pray, and uh, the band's going to come up and, and lead in one final song. I just want to leave you with this encouragement. Um, there's a really fascinating scene uh, between Moses and Yahweh. He's in the tent of meeting, and Moses is praying, and he's meeting with God face to face. And the Bible says that Moses left the tent of meeting, and then he begins to lead. But there's one guy who stays in the tent of meeting. His name is Joshua. And the Bible says that Moses left... And he goes to lead the people. Joshua stayed in the tent of meeting, and he stayed in the presence of God. Joshua, you know, ends up becoming the next leader of the Israelites. He's actually the leader who takes the people of Israel into the promised land. He's, he's being developed by Moses. He understands the value of show me your glory. And he learned it from Moses. 
such so that when Moses leaves and goes about business, Joshua's like, I'm staying right here. Because the guy who's developing me was a friend of God who was face-to-face with God. I'm going to stay right here. You don't know who the Joshuas are in your life that are going to lead another generation after you to follow Jesus. We have no idea. And many of us, we won't even know till heaven. And Jesus puts his hand on our shoulder and says, look at all of this because you followed me and you were willing to develop the people around you. Every one of us has Joshua's that are waiting to be led to seek first the kingdom. We have Joshua's in our marketplace. We have Joshua's in our family. We have Joshua's in this church that are looking for someone to lead and to show them this is what a godly man and a godly woman look like. They look at the Father and they look at the Son and the Holy Spirit and they say, show me your glory and I will teach everyone around me to go after your glory too. You want to change the world? Find your Joshua. Find your Joshua. Let me pray. The band's coming. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the way you are moving here in this place. I thank you for the principles that we see in your word. And I ask that you will make us kingdom leaders. I ask that you'll give us intentionality. I ask that you'll give us wisdom. I ask that you'll give us open eyes to see those around us. I ask that you give us courage to follow you, to make us the kind of leaders that find our refuge in you and become a refuge for others. Holy Spirit, would you draw our hearts to worship again? Would you draw our hearts to yield again to Jesus? So we give you this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and worship together.